1: And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
0: You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews Podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am well. Although this week, honestly, I there was me thinking I'm not going to have anything to talk about. Nothing awful or embarrassing has happened to me this week. <sighs> Deep breath. Well, no. So let's just title the incident Parents' Evening. And because we're in unusual times, we had an unusual parents evening. So it's a really neat bit of software. Your child books uh, time slots with every teacher and you go to the computer, hit the link at the right time and you've got five minutes with each teacher. And the clock is counting down, uh, starts off green, then flashes orange, and then obviously red when, you're, when you haven't got long left at all. And usually the teacher gets cut off in the middle of a sentence. But it's really good because otherwise parents' evenings like three, four hours of my life. There's a lot of queuing and waiting and se- tepid cups of tea, which is not very good. So this wins. I'm not saying the system's wrong. But it was when uh, we were sitting there talking to a teacher. And I noticed that the teacher had a look of, was it fear or was it horror on their face? I'm not sure, but our dog had decided that she wasn't getting enough attention when we were doing this parents evening. And so she had got herself far away from us behind us so we couldn't see her, Uh, but it was obvious to the teacher on the screen. And the, the dog was doing what the children would call butt dragging, yes, isn't that nice? Across from one side of the room, all the way across, and then she turned round and come all the way back. Can I just point out the dog is not ill; no vet is required. All, all is fine. She was doing this solely for attention, and the teacher was just mesmerised by this vision of uh, of the dog's activity, which was quite horrifying. And it was only when I sort of spotted this horror or fear on the teacher's eyes and then looked because the picture of us was quite small on our screen, we got the the teacher's picture quite large and then looked and noticed that what the dog was doing just, oh, Goodness me. I bet that the teacher has taken a screenshot of that and they're going to hold an award ceremony for, you know, which <laughs> parents evening slot was the worst for you. And we're going to be on that list. So that's great. That was uh, that was thrilling. That really was. But anyway, enough about me and sorry, too much information about the dog. We have got some Absolutely amazing books to talk to you about this week. And we've got a book box opening, but I'm going to turn it round. So to begin with, we're going to talk through the books. Then I'm going to tell you about one particular book. Then we're going to meet the author, hopefully, which will be very exciting indeed. Then I'll waffle on about the other books, some really good ones. And then we'll do the book box opening at the end. So if you find my book box openings somewhat embarrassing... Let's say let's face it. I certainly do. Um, then you don't need to listen to that bit, but you can just focus on the nice book stuff. So there we go. What books I hear you say are we talking about this week? Quite a mixture. So the first one is called Take It Back by Kia Abdullah. Uh, then we've got Fallen Angel by Chris Brookmeyer. We've got The, the Illustrated Child by Polly Crosby. We've got Punching the Air by Ibi Zoboi and Youssef Salam. And we've got now, let me just get this right. There we are. Once Upon a River by Diane Setterfield. And we've also got an audio book, which is by Dawn French, and it's called Because of You. So we we do have a lot to cover, don't we? So let's talk about book number one. I think uh, we need to get into this glorious book and then talk to Kia all about it. So Take It Back is a legal drama, a courtroom drama, you might say, but there is so much more to it than that. Let me read you the blurb. The victim, a 16 year old girl with facial deformities, Neglected by an alcoholic mother, who accuses the boys of something unthinkable. The defendants, four handsome teenage boys from hard working immigrant families, all with corroborating stories. Whose side would you take? Zara Khalil, one of London's brightest young legal minds, shattered the expectations placed on her by her family and forged a glittering career at the bar, all before hanging up her barrister's wig to help the victims who needed her most victims like Jodie Wolfe. Jodie's own best friend doesn't even believe her claims that their classmates carried out such a crime, but Zara does, and Zara is determined to fight for her. Jodie and Zara become the centre of the most explosive criminal trial of the year, in which ugly divisions within British society are exposed. As everything around Zara begins to unravel, she becomes even more determined to get Jodie the justice she's looking for. But at what price? Uh, I thought this was a really astonishing book. I love legal dramas, but this for me broke new ground. Um, it taught me a lot. I learned a lot about different cultures and the expectations of families and generations Um And I just didn't know how it was going to end, which I always like to have in a book. I think authors must hate that. But I thought it was really, really good. Um, So if you're into legal crime thrillers, if you like some gutsy characters and something that's some fresh writing, some fresh ideas and stories, then I think uh, I think you would really enjoy this. But let's talk to Kia and find out a little bit more about this book. So, Kia, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you so much, Philippa. I've been kind of sequestered away working on the next novel, so I appreciate the, the opportunity to have an actual conversation.
0: <laughs> yes, I know, I know what you mean. It's good, and it's good to be able to see you as well. It's a shame that the podcast is only audio, but it's nice to have that, that contact. Now, I mean, this, this book, I, I love legal thrillers I always have done um but this I just feel it's such a fresh book take it back um it's got a really fresh style of writing really different were you were you always um having a view that you wanted it to be different that you wanted to sort of break fresh ice on the legal genre
1: I think so yeah because I I love Jodie Pico, um, the American Mm. writer who often tackles contemporary issues, but in the context of a courtroom drama or a legal thriller. So while her books aren't probably classified as legal thrillers, they definitely have a legal element to them. And so I wanted to write a book like hers that tackles something that is really important, which is a contemporary social issue, but does so in the context of a really interesting thriller that's a page turner. And so it's so heartening for me when people say to me, oh, you know, I was just expecting a legal thriller, but this is so much more. And there are so many layers to it. And so that as as a writer, that's really gratifying for me.
0: And um of course I've I've just read Take It Back, um, but I know that Truth Be Told, I've got it here, is is out as well. So yeah. for somebody that hasn't started reading your books, they're lucky because they've got two that they can that they can read straight away. But just focusing on Take It Back for, for now, um I'll probably have to have you back on when I've read Truth, <laughs> Truth Be Told as well. What made you write this book? What made you sort of a, approach this type of book?
1: Yeah, so I wanted to explore how Muslims were treated in the media. So for a long time, I saw how the mood was turning against them in the press and the public. So whenever there was a Muslim person accused of a crime, it was that part of their identity that was pulled out in the headlines. So you would often see Muslim man accused of crime, but I would never see Christian man accused of crime. And so I wanted to explore why that was what happens when four Muslim boys are accused of of sexually assaulting a white girl? How does that play out in the press? Um, and, you know, it was really important for me to make sure that the boys weren't completely good or weren't completely bad, because, yes. of course, you know, none of us are like that in real life. So one of the kind of key messages of the novel is that we do things both good and bad because we choose to do them as individuals, not because of the colour of our skin or what we believe in. So yes. that in a in a nutshell was the motivation behind the novel.
0: And it's a it's a classic who do you believe story. It's Yeah,
1: exactly. And so you know, I started writing it before the whole kind of me too revolution mm. and when that came about there was a little part of me that thought you know, the kind of context of the novel who do you believe is a little bit out of step with the uh current mood, but that said I think it's a valid question because it is a question that's asked in real life not only by the British legal system but by thousands of people on social media by colleagues at the water cooler Mm. and so I think as long as you're doing so in a nuanced sensitive way I think it's a valid question to explore in fiction because there's no point in presenting a kind of sanitized anodyne version of reality Mm. in fiction I think the role of good fiction is to explore issues that we are Ex- um, dealing with in real life.
0: And, and I think that's the essence of a legal thriller anyway. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Would you, and,
0: believe?
1: you know, legal thrillers are interesting because so often it's the most vulnerable in society that end up in the system, on both yeah. sides of the, of the system, you know, the victims and the perpetrators. And so it's ripe for not only high drama, but also examining some of the contemporary social issues that affect people today.
0: And so, who came first? Was it Zara, or was it was it the girl? Was it Jodie?
1: Jodie came first, and uh, so Jodie in the novel, for those who haven't read it, is a sixteen year old white girl. Um, she was born with facial deformities, which acts, uh, which adds an extra layer in the novel because people don't believe that these four kind of young, good looking boys would would try to uh, force themselves on her. Mm. Um, but of course, you know, part of the novel is examining. The motivation of people who choose to do things like this it's not motivated by sexual desire it's power and the mm. the need to dominate and so jody came first and zara who is the rape counselor who supports jody through the process i it was really interesting for me to make her muslim because i thought growing up as a muslim myself one of the things that i experienced was tribalism so you would often be expected mm. to side with other Muslim people purely because they were Muslim and I think that sort of idea is two sides of the same coin when people group mm. us all together we're not a homogenous entity and so to expect me to pledge allegiance to Muslim people purely because they're Muslim is is taking away a part of my individuality and so I wanted to show Zara. That happening to Zara, just because she's Muslim, she's expected to side with the four boys, whereas actually in the novel, she's siding with Jody, mm. And to explore that tension between those two sides of the same coin.
0: And I thought that was so fascinating. It, it was very educational and it for me. And um, it really does make things, really puts things into perspective. Zara's a very strong character. Did you... Was she always that level? And that, I'm not saying that's a negative. I thought it was brilliant. But did you add to her strength or did you reduce her strength as as you wrote her story?
1: Well, that's really interesting that you've asked, actually, because she started off almost quite one dimensional because I wanted to make her so strong, you know, and so kick ass mm. that she was completely invulnerable in the first draft. Mm. Um, And then I thought, well, nobody's like that in real life. You know, mm. I know lots of, really powerful women but you take away their kind of public image and there's vulnerability Mm. beneath that and so I added elements of vulnerability to her and the scenes in which she's talking to her mother about some of the things that she's faced in the past Mm. I think that vulnerability comes through Um, and of course the other side of you know being a novelist is you want you want your characters to be likable and even though that's something that i think the onus is more on female characters because they they can they should be strong but not too strong or yes. they should be independent but not too independent <laughs> so you know mm. that that was a tricky thing to navigate yes. but i think i hope that zara has kind of struck the right balance i mean lots of people have said you know we love zara um, mm. somebody was hashtagging you know zara the brave very early on and i thought oh yes. wow you know people have really like taken her into into the fold so as a writer that's been really lovely to see
0: and you you might see her strength at the beginning and think, well, that's just her. But as, as you learn more about her, you learn that maybe what, what has happened to her in her past has made her, has forced her to, to be strong. It's not that we all start out as one, two, three-year-olds being strong, but sometimes life throws things at us.
1: That- yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a line where Jodie says, you know that she doesn't feel strong enough, and Zara says to her, "Women aren't born warriors. We learn to fight because we have to," and, yes. and and that goes for every strong woman I know. You know, we're made by the challenges that we face, and so I think the same same goes for Zara.
0: But then that must be quite a responsibility in some ways, because you're waving the the, the banner for for so much. You know, for strong females, for um, strong female Muslim as well. Was that a even more of a responsibility when it came to write book two or did it was it just there
1: yeah it's interesting because a few muslim women in particular have said that they didn't feel connected to zara because in the novel she's quite she, she's quite progressive in the sense that she she drinks alcohol with which lots mm. of you know muslims don't do but then equally lots of muslims do and so i think some muslim women felt that they weren't represented by zara And of course, that comes back to the question of what are we expecting of minority, you know, in inverted commas, of minority writers? We can't represent everybody. And Mm. the the solution to that is just to have more writers. You know, if there are more Muslim writers out there, there will be a natural proliferation of stories, you know, both negative and positive. And so I think because there are so few of us, there's more pressure to write positive stories. But I'm not interested in writing positive stories, I'm, I'm interested in writing gripping novels that engage the writer, that informs mm. them, that educates them, and I think that's our role as writers of fiction, not necessarily to present this sanitized version of reality.
0: But equally, if some said, oh gosh, you know, we couldn't identify with her, I would imagine that you've equally had some response saying, you know, thank you for, for oh, coming yeah. with someone who's Absolutely. real.
1: Absolutely, and that transcends her faith I've had you know young Indian women you know young Sikh women write to me and say you know they've been they've faced some of the pressures that Zara has so in the novel her kind of backstory is she had an arranged marriage and you know that doesn't sit well with some people because they think you know you're playing into stereotypes but Part of a character was based on my life. So when I was 24, I had an arranged marriage. And, Mm. you know, yeah, and people are really surprised by that because even at the time, because I've always been, you know, very strong headed, you know, very stubborn. Yeah. I've always set my own course in life. And women like me, you know, who are 24 now have written to me and said, I recognize myself in Zara because I have this idea of who I am. But then I also submit to pressures from my community or pressures from my family. And, they've been able to see the nuances of of themselves in Zara and you know that's been really lovely to see and lovely to hear.
0: So how much of Zara is you then?
1: Oh god yeah, <laughs> I've walked into that haven't I? Yeah,
0: sorry that door's open, oh, we're going uh, there. Yeah we're going
1: there. I mean look, I, there are certainly elements of me in her, Um, so I drew on the arranged marriage Um, I drew, but she's far tougher than I am, you know, let's start there. She's far stronger than I am. Um, But I think even though we like to say, so many of us like to say, you know, everything comes from my imagination. I do think writers draw from their real lives. And so, you know, Zara's probably, you know, at least 40% me, I would say. Um, But so so are so many of the other characters, you know, so is and her best friend, so are some yeah. of the boys, you know, you put a bit of yourself into all of your characters, I think, and so the answer is a little bit of me, but she's, she's more badass.
0: <laughs> Fantastic, and was it always going to be a series, even when you're writing book one, no, Take It Back? No,
1: no, not at all, so I wrote Take It Back as a standalone novel, oh. but because the reader feedback has been so incredible, you know, of course, with publishers, you know they they spot an <laughs> opportunity and they're like, "Please write another Zara novel." Um, you know, and it's tricky because if your kind of series character is a police officer or or even a lawyer or a journalist, you know I think mm-hmm. that naturally lends itself to a series, whereas because Zara is an ex barrister, now she works as a rape counselor, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I think her potential is limited. But with Truth Be Told, there was still so much uh, material to plumb for me. Um, yes. So in Truth Be Told, it, it focuses on the kind of extraordinary stigma around male rape. Um, and we meet a 17-year-old boy called Cameron who goes to an elite all-male boarding school and after a night of drunken revelry has a sexual encounter with a fellow pupil. And he wakes up the next morning and he can't really remember what happened. And he has to ask himself a a horrifying question. Did I consent to what took place? And then he seeks the help of Zara. Um, And so we do see Zara kind of developing as well Mm. and her relationship with her mother developing a little bit. Um, Whether there's gonna be a third, I'm not sure yet, but everybody's always asking
0: me, "When, when are we gonna,
1: you know? but the third novel that I'm writing at the moment is a standalone, but I might come back to Zara, who knows.
0: And is the third one still in the legal genre or? Yes, yes, it
1: is. So, again, I would say similar to the vein in which Jodie Pico writes in. So she writes kind of contemporary dramas in a courtroom setting. So it fits that mould. Yes.
0: Gosh, how, how interesting. Can't wait to hear hear more about that one. So what's your favourite part of the writing process is it the beginning the blank piece of paper or is that that the scary part is it the the plotting the editing
1: I think it's probably the editing so I think the first draft is always hard because you almost forget how to write a novel you know you sit down and you're like I've done this before but (laughs) you know do I remember how to do it and I, I saw David Nichols um wrote something recently and said you know it never gets easier and I thought well that's good to know <laughs> um, so I think that's the scary bit where you're like can I do this can I sustain this idea through 90,000 words but once that's done even if they're terrible words I, I, I enjoy going back and polishing and working on the sentence level does this say what I want it to say is it as as tight and Uh, and as good as it can be and so kind of getting into the weeds of the words and and tinkering with them is is the bit that I really enjoy but also then once it's done getting out and meeting readers which obviously this year hasn't happened but in general I think meeting readers and going to festivals that's the bit I also really enjoy.
0: And do you always write in the same place or Uh, are you portable
1: no no sadly I'm not portable which is really silly because in in the other part of my life I'm a travel writer and so I run a travel blog but even then I can't I can't (laughs) write on trains or planes I need quiet I need stillness and so with fiction I can only really write it at home you know at my desk with my computer and so yeah that's that's tricky I mean I don't Some writers I know will listen to, you know, Swedish death metal or go to a cafe and every writer is different. But no, I need I need silence.
0: Are you looking to merge the two at some point? The sort of the legal writing and the travel or is that? No, I kind of see them. Yeah, I see them
1: as kind of disparate, disparate things that I do. And, um, you know, it's tricky because when you come to write fiction for so many years, I'd worked in travel you know, there's that whole thing about author branding. And so do I mention that I'm a travel writer in my bio? Do I put it in my Twitter bio and so on? But, you know, it's an important part of what I do. So I, you know, it it is in my Twitter bio, but no, I I don't think I would, I would merge them.
0: Can we just talk about the audiobook? Because for some reason, I had the audiobook version as well of take it back
1: well thank you for
0: buying <laughs> I don't know if you got sent them but thank you Philip. no I'm supporting you I don't know how that happened but anyway but it was quite good so I got to read a bit and listen to, to a bit as, as right. I was going around and I thought the narrators were extraordinary oh
1: aren't they they were so brilliant
0: they added you know some narrators make it the process a, a bit painful sometimes for me but these they I thought they were absolutely spot on. Did they? Did you choose
1: them? Were you involved in that? No, so the HarperCollins team just did a brilliant job. I completely Mm. trusted them. They sent me little clips of each actor and said, you know, we see this person doing Jodie, we see this person doing Zara, and, you know, uh, they sounded brilliant. And so I said, okay, well, I trust you guys. And then when I listened to the final product, um, so I was listening along as part of a, a partnership with Pigeonhole. So they. Yes. Oh, so you know that they're They're kind of like the book club in your pocket. And it was the first audio serialization that they did. And that was so interesting because you were getting kind of real-time reader feedback, which was terrifying at first, but (laughs) because everybody knows you're in the book. You know, they they were just very lovely and, you know, asking lots of questions. And that's when I heard it. And I thought, wow, you know, they've just done such an incredible job. And uh, Tanya, the the woman who does Zara, she's back in Truth Be Told. And so I've had a little bit of interaction with her where she'll ping me and say, how do you pronounce, you know, these Bengali words or, yes. you know, yes. Sophia's name, for example. But, yeah, I mean, I'm blown away. And mm. when people ask me, can you do a reading at this festival? I'm like, could I just pay out, play out yeah. Tanya? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> She's such a brilliant girl. But, yeah, no, I was absolutely delighted with the audiobook.
0: So my last question, I suppose, is, is how you label yourself, because with the travel blog, that, that's more as a writer and the book's an author. So if someone stops you, if it's a party or whatever, and they say, what do you do? What Which one is your answer?
1: Well, the easy thing is I just say I'm a writer, but then obviously the follow-up question is always, oh, what do you write? And then I mm. I usually say I write novels and then I also run my own travel blog.
0: Right, um, so combine yeah. the two, yeah. And then, yeah,
1: so that's how I kind of explain what I do. But, uh, you know, writing is... It's something that i've always wanted to do you know ever since i was i don't know 7 years old and and realized that it's a thing that you could do and uh so it's tricky because they are very different arts you know fiction is especially before you have a book deal fiction is very much a leap of faith because mm. you have to as i said sustain an idea over 90,000 words and mm. is you know is anybody going to actually want to read those words whereas non fiction certain travel is far easier. You know, you sit down and, and it's maybe a thousand words, and the
0: mm-hmm. y- it's
1: almost instant gratification because you press pub- publish and it's up. You know, and you're getting reader feedback. And so they're very different disciplines, but I love them both.
0: That's wonderful, well, Kia. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Philippa. This has been really fun. Take care.
0: Well, I thought that was fascinating just to hear more about the characters, how they got started in Kia's mind. Um, the sort of the ramifications of what's going on in the UK and at the heart of it, it really is a, a case of who do you believe? Who do you believe is telling the truth? Um, and the book certainly delivers for me. Um, but let, let's get on to the, the next lot of books. I need to talk to you about this one's quite interesting because there's a bit of a story. But let, let me tell you what the book is and read the blurb first. It's by Chris Brookmar and it's called Fallen Angel. The blurb is this, One family, two holidays, one devastating secret. To new nanny Amanda, the Temple family seems to have it all. The former actress, the famous professor, their three successful grown-up children. But like any family, beneath the smiles and hugs there lurks far darker emotions. 16 years earlier, little Neve Temple died while they were on holiday in Portugal. Now, as Amanda joins the family for a reunion at their seaside villa, she begins to suspect one of them might be hiding something terrible. And suspicion is a dangerous thing. Now, I've had this book for a while. I really rate Chris Brookmar as an author. Um, and I had seen this book, wanted to read it, and I struggled. I struggled. I kept, re when, when I say kept, I reread the beginning two or three times and just couldn't get into it and put it on one side. And I don't know why, but I just picked it up recently and I'm so... So glad I did. So if you have picked this book up and struggled, it could have just been me. It probably was just me. But if you have struggled with it, persevere, because this is a blinder of a book um, and it really pays off if if you keep going with it. Um, as I say, the, the problems with getting into it were probably entirely mine. But if you are struggling, don't give up because this has got a great story. Um, there are some very difficult sections. Um, there's, there's some nasty elements, not, not in the writing. Oh, there's some nasty writing. No, not at all. Um, but some of the themes that it covers are can be quite full on. Um, so certainly, certainly not one to read with the children, that's for sure. Um, but I just thought it was great. And it makes you think about even the title of the book. It stays with you afterwards. It's a it's a sort of a family S thriller. I, I don't know how what pocket to sort of put it in in terms of genre. Um, but I just thought it built and built. It's got characters that, that you have to work at to to understand and get to grips. With. When you do, you are rewarded for that. Um I just thought it was it was very, very good indeed. Um, Chris Brookmark, can clearly right. And this is a, a, a confident book. Um, and uh, it's just, yeah, really, really good. I did hear a little bit on audiobook as well, because I was interested in how that would work. Um, so I just uh, listened to some of the uh, little bits that you can listen to before you purchase them. And uh, I thought the narration was very good as well. So if you are an audiobook person, then then get that one. But equally, if you're not an audiobook person, gosh, I am waffling today, aren't I? And I've had a coffee. So that's how bad the situation is. I've not had a chocolate biscuit. Maybe that's what I need to do. Anyway, um, focus, Philippa. Yes, it's a it's a cracker of a book. Um, Whether you read the book, the paperback, the audio, listen to the audio book, you will be rewarded. It's a good book. So there we go. That's a, that's another one. So, so far we've had Take It Back by Kia Abdullah and Now Fallen Angel by Chris Brookmeyer. Two really good ones. And now we come on to another good book um, and a very different one, The Illustrated Child by Polly Crosby. This is not a book that I would have picked up myself. Um, Someone said, what about this book? And then I looked at it and said, well, yes, okay, that sounds intriguing. Let me have a read of it. Wow. Wowzers, wowzers, wowzers. It's great. It's different. Uh, And I don't know what genres to put it in. I'm going to read you the blurb. Romany lives in a ramshackle house with her eccentric artist father and her cat Monty. She knows little about her past, but she knows that she is loved. When her father finds fame with a series of children's books starring her as the main character, everything changes. Exotic foods appear on the table. Her father appears on TV and strangers appear at their door, convinced the book contain a treasure hunt leading to a glittering prize. But as time passes, Romilly's father becomes increasingly suspicious of everything around him until before her eyes, he begins to disappear altogether. In her increasingly isolated world, Romilly turns to the secrets her father has hidden in his books, realising that there is something far darker and more devastating locked within the pages. The truth. Um, I thought this was a a really extraordinary book. It's not one I'm going to forget. I'm so glad I I read it. Um, It's very different. I don't know when people say, well, what's it like? There's an element of stick of the dump in it but it's not there's i know i keep saying rebecca but it wasn't anything to do with rebecca but just this feeling of unease that that runs through it if if you know what i mean um it's it's genre breaking oh let's say that this is a genre breaking book I, i just think if you are interested in people and relationships and um I don't know, the the imagination of a child or or not the imagination, the life of a child, then I really would suggest you read this book. Okay, yes, you don't have a 999 call and all sorts of emergencies and there aren't serial killers in this. um, But equally, it is not a quiet, subdued book. It is a passionate, uh, and I don't mean that in a... um, Am I going to say the word? No, I'm not. It's not passionate in a sort of kissing way. Very British there. It's passionate in that the emotions that the characters feel and what it makes you feel. It's a it's a good book. It's a solid book. It's a it's a good one. You're going to be hearing a lot more about uh, Polly Crosby, I would say. It's also got the most gorgeous cover on. Um, but anyway, uh, and the I should say the cover is part of the illustrated person that's in in the books that's mentioned in this story, and part of it is the real uh, the real child as well, um, but it's called the illustrated child. A picture paints a thousand lies. Very very good, very confidently written uh, and beautifully positioned. I would say so. There we go. Now the next book. This is different. So you've heard me talk about YA. You've heard me talk about verse. And sometimes you hear me talk about both. Well, this is another one. This is another YA verse novel. Punching the Air by Ibi Zoboy and Youssef Salam. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Let's read the blurb first. So, Amal Shahid has always been an artist and a poet, but even in his diverse art school, because of a biased system, he's seen as disruptive and unmotivated. Then one fateful night, an altercation in a gentrifying neighbourhood escalates into tragedy. Boys just being boys... Turns out to be true only when those boys are white. Suddenly, at just 16 years old, Amal is convicted of a crime he didn't commit and sent to prison. Despair and rage almost sink him until he turns to the refuge of his words, his art. This never should have been his story, but can he change it? Um, I thought it was beautifully written. Um, again, it's another memorable one. You really feel that sense of anguish and isolation um, when, when he's locked up in prison, and it—it's not a book that resolves everything. It's not a book that is like, oh, it starts here and it works its way through, and the end is all sweetness and light, Disney ending. It's a—you tr- know—it's a true book, as in it—it feels very real, and you really find yourselves aligned with the character, the main character, um, Amal. And just his his questions about himself and who he is, how he got there, and and what lies ahead. And I'm not going to give anything away about that. But um, and it it makes you think about the legal system, and the implications of those in jail. And uh, I don't, yes, it it raises a whole lot of questions. But it's great. So um, if you haven't read any YA verse novels before, then this. I don't. I wouldn't read this one first. I would save this one for a bit later on. So start with Sarah Crossan. I would say, um, like Moonrise and One. Um, try Run Rebel. Cause that's a really, really good book. In fact, read that one next. This is me telling you what to do. So, but read One and Moonrise first, then Run Rebel, and then read this one. I would say in that in that order, um, and also Black Flamingo. That's another great one. All very different. But I love the use of verse and, and don't think, oh, my goodness, it's a poem. I can't read it. Just have a look and um, borrow somebody's book or download it or go into a bookshop and just have a look for yourself. And I think you would be really positively surprised by how easy it is to read these and how verse actually makes it makes it better because it cuts out some of the words that we just don't need. Um, so if you're somebody who says, oh, that book was too descriptive for me or it was just too much, too heavy, then I think this is is much easier to consume um, and, and really good. And one, you know, if you've got teenagers, I think they need to read this book. I will certainly be... Um, talking to my children about this book and and wanting them to read it as as they as they get a bit older. So I thought it was yeah really, really good. Um, So there we go. Punching the air. Absolutely sensational. Um, A book that doesn't give you all the answers, but it gives you a lot of questions. Um, And I thought I thought that was really good. Um, So now another book. Once Upon a River by Dan Setterfield. Okay. I'm going to be honest here. I couldn't even give this a mark out of 10. Um, I read it because it was a book club choice. And I think this whole episode is going to be about me trying to read books again and again and not getting into them. This one I haven't succeeded with. I've tried four times, five times to get into it. I think it's sort of like a, it's a gothic, historical thriller-ish. That's the sort of genre I'd give it. Um And I struggled with it. I think Gothic books are not my cup of tea, just as I think high fantasy or very full on um, historical books are. not But then you never know, because something can come out of the mould and and just grab you. So I'm never going to shut myself off from trying those those particular type of books. But this one just failed. Um, And it was interesting, quite a few of us didn't really enjoy it, and yet the day after we had our book club meeting, I had a message from someone saying, "Oh, um, can you recommend us some new books for for our book club?" And I said, "Yeah, of course. What sort of things have you reviewed and and really enjoyed?" And she said, "Oh, well, our favourites are Diane Setterfield's. That's our absolute favourite. Uh, any books by her, and I thought, oh gosh, yeah, it just shows. And the reviews um, on different uh, book review sites for Once Upon a River are very good, very strong. So it's not for for me to. This is not a bad book. It, uh, in a way, I'm I'm the bad <laughs> I'm the bad reader. I just couldn't get into it. Maybe it wasn't visual enough, but or maybe maybe I had prejudged it and thought I'm not going to enjoy this book. And I think actually that might have happened. But okay, let's read you the blurb. And then it might be something that sparks a light for you. And then please read and please let me know. It was the longest night of the year when the strangest of things happened. In an ancient inn on the Thames, the regulars are entertaining themselves by telling stories when the door bursts open and in steps an injured stranger. In his arms is the drowned corpse of a child. Hours later, the dead girl stirs, takes a breath, and returns to life. Is it a miracle? Is it magic? And who does the little girl belong to? An exquisitely crafted, multi-layered mystery brimming with storytelling and the urgent scientific curiosity of the Darwinian age, once upon a river, is a richly atmospheric, is as richly atmospheric as Setterfield's bestseller, The Thirteenth Tale. I I wish I had loved this book and as I say I hold my hands up it is not the author it is me um and if you're into sort of gothic books if you're into ones um that that have an element of sort of suspicion and and you want to know what's going to happen but where you have to work quite hard at it then really this could be one for you and based on the very high reviews that it gets it it clearly does um tick a lot of boxes for a lot of people. So I'm sorry I didn't read it. Don't let it put you off. Try it. And please let me know what you think. Please let me know. So the last book I'm going to talk to you about is Because of You by Dawn French. So here's the blurb. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, midnight. The old millennium turns into the new. In the same hospital, two very different women give birth to two very similar daughters. Hope leaves with a beautiful baby girl. Anna leaves with empty arms. Seventeen years later, the gods who keep watch over broken-hearted mothers wreak mighty revenge and the truth starts rolling, terrible and deep toward them all. The power of mother love will be tested to its limits, perhaps beyond. Now, when I started listening to this, first of all, I love the sound of Dawn French's voice and she narrates the audiobooks. That was wonderful. And as it started, I thought, oh, yes, this is very nice. Um, And I thought that that was all that this book was going to be. Just nice. It was a nice read. Um, But there is there is more to this. And who knew that I would be sitting listening to the ending of the book at the traffic lights, sobbing my eyes out. So that was quite embarrassing. But hey. It just shows that the book caught me by surprise um, and gave me a lot more than than I had thought about it. If you if you like sort of uplift books, books that are uplifting. Yes. okay, I cried. But it's there's a lot of joy in this book. There's a lot of um, characterisation. There's a there's a lot of love in the book. Um, Yes. Again, no serial killers, nothing like that. It is, in essence, a gentle book. But don't let that um, give you the wrong impression. This this book pulls some punches, um, and uh, I just yeah I just thought it was it was good. Um, so don't don't judge it. And I have to say the cover I thought was lovely. The picture of this this person on the front was just lovely. Anyway, um, I would really recommend it if it sounds like your sort of thing. If it doesn't, that's absolutely fine. But um, I thought it was really good. I, I, confident end to the book. So there we go. I think that's all the books that we've got. And now I need to do the book box unopening. Did I just say unopening or the book box opening even? Yeah, I I will need to acquire some chocolate biscuits (laughs) before I go on much longer. But anyway, here we go. So here we go. This is called um, Illumicrate. It's a company that particularly do YA fantasy. I've actually stopped getting this box now. but this is the last one. This is the last one. So uh, we'll see. They do have quite a wait list to get on. So if you are interested, it's worth signing up to be notified of if they have any uh, spare slots uh, to fill. Um, it's a lovely yellow box. And I'm a, I'm sorry if it makes lots of noise as I open it. But let's see. Let's see. I have no idea what's in this box at all. Um, I know it's September's. That, that's the only information I have. Oh, okay. I think I see a mug box. That's exciting. Um, Sinister Surroundings, September 2020. So, oh, no, I don't want to look actually at that. I'm just going to go straight in. Let's not. Let's not. So uh, I'm lifting something up. It's wrapped in bubble wrap. It looks, sorry for all the noise of doing that. That's terrible, isn't it? But oh, it's a drinks container. Now, that's good. So um, it's, you know, when you go to the cinema Um, you just get your drink, your Coca-Cola or Sprite or whatever in like a paper version of the cup. And sometimes you can pay extra and get a plastic one. That's what this is. Um, It says rampion, captain is king on it and the top screws off. And there's a hole in the middle where you can put um, the straw through. So that's going to be really useful because I've noticed a lot of readers on Instagram have cups like this and they just take their cool sip of their drink and keep reading. And I'd like to be in the cool gang. So I'm definitely going to be using that. Let's move that paper away. Now, there's some cloth something or other. What is this? So, oh, we've got a cushion cover. We have got a cushion cover. Oh, and that's from V Schwab, isn't it? I'll tell you what it is. So it's a beautiful sort of velvety cushion cover and painted on it are three gentlemen and two ladies. Um, and oh, it's Caravel. Of course, it is. It's Caravel. It's called. It's only a game cushion cover, and it's the main characters from Caravel. I don't know if you've read that. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. But of course, it is the two, the two girls there. Gosh, I've gone quiet because it's bringing back memories of the book now. But anyway, and now we also have. Now this, they're calling it a pouch. Um, but I would say it looks like maybe a big ma- a, a makeup case or pencil case. It's a good size. You could fit a lot into it. Um, and this is inspired by Ninth House. So Leth House Patch. Death conquers all. Uh, Leth House established 1898. I haven't read those, so I'm sorry. But it's got a lovely zip. It's black. It's got some crunchly paper inside. And as I say, that would make a very good pencil case, makeup case if you're into crafting, put some craft stuff in there. Um, So now we have, oh we've got, oh you see I'm going to miss these, even though these aren't books that I read and these aren't things that I would automatically use, um, I still like opening it all. So the pit um, the, there's a pin badge, which is um, a badge. You've got these gates. It says student of Scholomance and uh, it's inspired by a deadly education. Um, and that's a, it's a very high quality pin badge, I have to say. Um, and then there's a necklace. What is this necklace? So it's like a leather, uh, a, like a leather chain, if that makes sense. Howler's necklace. Show off your allegiance to the howlers with this iconic necklace. And the uh, the little um sort of thing I don't know why I'm saying thing little thing hanging down is like a fox's face but there we go oh dear oh dear what's going on we've got a bookmark we've got a wooden bookmark um which is uh, quite a small bookmark but it's lovely you've got this uh, woman on and it's uh and it's inspired from kingdom of the souls kingdom of the souls woodmark I've never heard them called woodmarks before instead of bookmarks but I suppose that makes sense as they are wooden oh And look here, we've got a straw. We've got a straw to go in. That's a lovely plastic one as well. When I say lovely plastic, I mean it's one of those reusable ones. Um, So obviously we don't like plastic, but if it's something that I can use again and again and again, then at least that's making it more effective. It's certainly not one to, to use and throw away. Then we've got the mug. Uh, heart of wood mug this is very interesting heart of the wood um, so the newest addition to our mug series features rose's stunning papercraft art uh, and is inspired by uprooted by naomi Novik. so i'm going to open this now let's go in we're opening it up oh and it's beautiful autumn colors absolutely beautiful Um, We've got a picture of a girl and boy um, hand in hand uh, in a a wood um, and we've got these oranges and reds and browns. That's gorgeous. And uh, I do think their mugs are very high quality. You always get a nice cup of tea or coffee in those mugs. And then finally, we've got the book. And then I'm going to leave you for today because I think I've talked to you so long. Um, So you get the book bag and then inside. Oh, this looks good. Yes. A deadly education Lesson one of the Scholomance, Naomi Novik. And let me just read the blurb. From the New York Times bestselling author of Uprooted and Spinning Silver comes a story of an unwilling dark sorceress who is destined to rewrite the rules of magic. Enter a school of magic unlike you have ever encountered. There are no teachers, no holidays. Friendships are purely strategic and the odds of survival are never equal. Once you're inside, there are only two ways out. You graduate or you die. Elle Higgins is uniquely prepared for the school's many dangers. She may be without allies, but she possesses a dark power strong enough to level mountains and wipe out untold millions, never mind easily destroying the countless monsters that prowl the school. Except she might accidentally kill all the other students too, so Elle is trying her hardest not to use it, that is... Unless she has no other choice with flawless mastery. Naomi Kovic creates a heroine for the ages, a character so sharply realised and so richly nuanced that she will live on in the hearts and minds for generations to come. And inside the book is this amazing picture, this cross section of the school. Just yeah, that looks wonderful, actually. I might have to read that one. So um, that is the Illumicrate book box and in it we had the Heart of Wood Mug, Howler's Necklace, It's Only a Game Cushion Cover, Leaf House Pouch, Kingdom of Souls Woodmark, let's not forget a woodmark, and the book A Deadly Education and of course the uh, collector's pin as well. Sounds very good. It's a shame that I finished getting those boxes, but uh, let me just put it over there. So we've covered a lot. You've you've stayed with me throughout and so you get a badge for that, definitely. Um, We've covered a lot of books, but you are going to expect me to say this. We have got some brilliant books coming next week and something quite different. So I can't wait for next week, but uh, you look after yourselves and I'll see you again very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. Mm You've been listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one ever. See you again soon. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.